Amos. The prophet Eliseus, as we have seen, was visited by King Joas when he was on his deathbed and prophesied that as Joas had shot three arrows through the window as directed, rather than six or seven, that he would smite Syria three times and would uh, gain uh, various victories uh, over the enemies of Israel. His son, King Jeroboam II, was, of course, the great-grandson of Achab, and the, this reign marked the height of prosperity for the kingdom of Israel. With the aid of the Assyrians, Jeroboam had won back most of the territory taken in former times from Israel by the Syrians, and towards the middle of the 8th century, ruled over a territory almost equal in extent to that of David. This reign materially marks the high point of the Kingdom of Israel. However, the signs of wealth and luxury were in evidence everywhere, but so were the evidences of approaching disaster. The rich were growing richer, but at the expense of the poorer classes. Oppression and injustice were rampant. Legal decisions were bought and sold. The Monday lenders exacted exorbitant uh, interest from the small farmers and tradesmen. The widow and the orphan were defrauded. Public morals were at the lowest ebb. Impurity, drunkenness, dissipation of every sort were so common that they were regarded as belonging to the scheme of things. God was worshipped. But rites were practised in his name which were abhorrent to him, because they were either mere exterior forms or thoroughly pagan and immoral, such as the calf worship which had been set up by the first king Jeroboam at Bethel and Dan. If there were any enlightened and God-fearing men in the northern kingdom who saw the rottenness of the foundations on which all this outward prosperity was reared, they failed to raise their voice in protest. It was a Judean who made the first attempt to avert the impending chastisement. And so it was about the year 750 BC when Israel was celebrating one of its annual festivals at the National Sanctuary at Bethel. King Jeroboam with his court and all the great ones of Samaria were present. It may have been the harvest festival because there was much dissipation and moderate eating and drinking, dancing and revelry. The festivities had reached their height when they were suddenly interrupted by the appearance of the prophet Amos. Hear this word, thus saith the Lord. All eyes were riveted on the speaker of these words, all ears were strained to catch his message. Hear ye this word, which I take up concerning you for a lamentation. The house of Israel is fallen, it shall rise no more. The virgin of Israel is cast down upon her land, there is none to raise her up. The high places of the idol shall be thrown down, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise up against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Well, we can imagine the effect of these bold words on the assembled revelers. Amaziah, the chief amongst the, the priests at Bethel, tried to silence a prophet. 
Thou seer, he said, get thee hence, flee away to the land of Judah, eat bread there and prophesy there, but prophesy no more in Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary and it is the house of the kingdom. But the man of God would not be intimidated. Amaziah had called him a seer and hinted that he was prophesying from some selfish motive, instigated perhaps by secret conspirators against the king. But Amos answered, I am a herdsman plucking wild figs, and the Lord took me from there when I followed the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go prophesy to my people Israel. And to Amaziah he said this, And thou hear the Lord, the word of God. Thou sayest, Thou shalt not prophesy against Israel, and thou shalt not drop thy word upon the house of the idol. Therefore thus saith the Lord, Thy wife shall play the harlot in the city, and thy sons and daughters shall fall by the sword. And thy land shall be measured by a line, and thou shalt die in a polluted land. And Israel shall go into captivity out of their land. Amos, this first of the writing prophets, was a man of the people, a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. He was a native of Tukah, a place which still bears the same name about six miles south of Bethlehem in the kingdom of Judah. His occupation no doubt had brought him to Jerusalem and to Samaria and to Damascus, where there were ready markets for his wool and his figs. At all events, he shows familiarity with the life of the great cities, with the courts of kings, the booths of the moneylenders, the tribunals of justice, the hovels of the poor and the palaces of the rich. During his stays in the centres of wealth and luxury and abject poverty, he'd seen and heard things which filled his soul with indignation. It was while pondering over the manifold evils that afflicted his people that he was called by God from the silence of the wilderness to the prophetical office, in the days of Isaiah, the king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. Amos followed the summons without a moment's hesitation. God had made, will his, had made his will known to him in a series of five visions. In the first vision, he sees a plague of locusts. They come in swarms and devour everything green which comes in their path. The prophet is struck with horror. At this petition, God withdraws his punishment. The second vision is a flame of fire symbolising a great drought that dries up the depths of the sea and devours the land. This punishment too God suspends at the prophet's prayer. In the third vision, the prophet sees God with a plumb line testing a wall. The wall represents Israel. It is found defective and ready for demolition. In the fourth vision, God shows him a basket of ripe fruit freshly plucked from the tree. Israel is ripe for the harvest. In the last vision, the prophet sees the work of devastation actually being carried out by God. The people are assembled for worship at Bethel, and God calls upon the temple uh, to fall down and crush the worshippers. In the days of Amos, and no doubt long before his day, the people were looking forward to what they called the Day of the Lord, the day in which God himself would visit the earth and reign over his chosen people. The prophet also believes in the day of God, but he warns his hearers it will be a day of retribution 
when God will cast them off utterly and deliver them into the hand of the king of Assyria. What a name that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light, as if a man should flee from the face of a lion and a bear should meet him, or enter into the house and lean with his hand upon the wall and a serpent should bite him. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, and obscurity and no brightness in it? But behold, I will raise up a nation against you, O house of Israel, saith the Lord of God of hosts, and they shall destroy you from the entrance of Amath, even to the torrent of the desert. Amos has been called the prophet of doom, and it's true to say that the main burden of his book is the judgment of God upon the nations of the earth for their transgressions. God is just, he must punish the offenders, yet he will not fail to relent, if only the deluded peoples will turn to him. A remnant, at least, of Israel shall escape destruction. Seek ye good and not evil, that you may live, and the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you, as you have said. Hate evil and love good, and establish judgment in the gate. It may be the Lord, God of hosts, may have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. As the prophet's eyes turn from Israel to his own native Judah, they behold the day of God in a different light. The tabernacle of David will indeed also fall to ruin, but it will be restored to more than its former splendour. In that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David that has fallen, and I will close up the breaches of the walls thereof, and repair that which was fallen. And I will rebuild it as in the days of old, saith the Lord that doth these things. Behold, the day shall come, saith the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes him that soweth seed. And the mountains shall drop sweetness, and every hill shall be tilled. And I will bring back the captivity of my people Israel, and they shall build the abandoned cities and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine of them, and shall make gardens and eat the fruits of them. And I will plant them upon their own land, and I will no more pluck them out of their land, which I have given to them, saith the Lord thy God. Thus Amos foretells not only the destruction, the impending destruction of the kingdom of Israel, but also at a later date the destruction of the kingdom of Judah, and finally the restoration of that kingdom after the Babylonian captivity. <laughs>